0: this week's podcast is brought to you by focal usa get all your favorite sports memorabilia at focal.com Welcome to the second episode of Season 7 of the Center of East Nations Podcast. This is your host, uh, Pat Russo, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Papp. Ed, how's it going? Not bad. How are we you? Good. Uh, and for this second episode, we actually have a, a guest with us. Uh, Mike Camido, a writer from the Sudbury, Ontario area. He is a team historian for the Sudbury Wolves and author of Hockey 365 series on Dunstern Press. His latest book, Leaves 365, features 365 short stories about the Toronto Maple Leafs, one for every day of the year. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thank you for joining us. So, Mike, off air, we're joking around how you've never been to my cousin's delicatessen up there in, in the cold north of Sudbury. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to have to go now. I, it's it's definitely a well-known uh household name here in Sudbury but yeah I'll uh I'll lose some street credibility with the Italian and Sudbury community for not having been to Giacomo's yet
0: you'll yeah you'll definitely lose some of that pull eh <laughs> um so how have you enjoyed uh, yourself you know how you know heading out and we're heading into the cold season hockey starting you know obviously you have all this work out with your books what's going on in, in the life of Mike
1: uh, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the weather is changing up here in Sudbury. That's for sure. It's definitely starting to become jacket season. Um, but honestly with the book coming out this past week, it's, it's been an exciting time just trying to do the, the circuit, getting on, you know, great podcasts like this and getting the word out there for the book. Uh, you know, this past weekend I had a book launch at, uh, the local distillery here, Crosscut. So that was a lot of fun. I did miss the entire game on Saturday, which I regret not seeing what happened. Uh, I missed the back-to-back Hatties, but, uh, it was all, I think, in, in service of of the Leafs trying to trying to sell this book uh, and celebrating with my family and friends.
0: No, excellent. So I guess, you know, before we dive into your books, we do want to get some Leaf talk from you. Um, the Leafs' start has been, you know, it's had like Austin Matthews having a, obviously a, almost a historical start. Uh, William Neander coming on. Um, we're starting to see some cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ed and I have been debating it in last week's episode. And my biggest concern is going to be, you know, scoring depth scoring on the bottom two lines and it's starting to kind of creep in. What would be your areas of concern you're starting to see? You know, I know it's very early and no, no one's, you know, calling to have pitchforks and flames, but are there areas that you would like to see improved?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think certainly, I think we just need to like, the team needs some more time to come together again. There's been a lot of turnover in the roster from last year. I like the additions they've made obviously, but I think with any team, that has that much turnover, it's going to take some time for that group to gel, right? Even with the talented players that we have on the Leafs, uh, bringing in new also talented players is still going to, there's still an adjustment period. I mean, I think for me, you know, some of the things I see that is a little bit more concerning than, than the depth scoring. I think that's going to kind of come together once everybody gets comfortable. It's just, you know, the back end is still always a bit of a question mark. Obviously, I think there's some good, solid options there. But you think about, uh, you know, bringing in John Klingberg. He hasn't looked great. Again, I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt that I'm giving to the rest of the new additions. But but in the games that I've seen, uh, that's something where you just hope that when are to see this is, you know, because, again, there are some other options out there that could have been... Uh, brought in at the in the offseason but I think for now I'm willing to be you know cautiously optimistic that again we're only three games in I missed one of the the three games that we're talking about with with the book launch so I'm kind of I have a very small sample size to work with just like the rest of Leafs Nation but um, you know I think it's that's just kind of what we expect from the team is that even though we can be happy with some of the performances that we're examining I think overall you still want to see that like is this really you know, going to come together, but again, it's a long season. So there's a long way to go. So I don't want to get uh, too down on the Leafs just yet. But, uh, but again, I think the back end is always an area that it seems like no matter how much it improves incrementally over the last, you know, five, six years, there's always, it's never where it could be. I think if you want to go on a deep run, but uh, I think that's kind of where I would leave it for now. Who is your,
2: uh, who are you most excited for when they, with all the new acquisitions?
1: Well, I mean, uh, speaking from Sudbury, Ontario, I mean Tyler Bertuzzi was obviously uh excited about that to get a to get a local guy on there, the energy that he brings uh to the lineup. Uh so I mean I think him him coming in was was kind of nice uh, i really enjoyed seeing that kind of come to fruition um you know i'll, I'll say this and this is going to be a controversial uh, pick right now especially what's going on in the media but i was excited about ryan reeves obviously there's questions about the term of that deal uh and i think you wouldn't be wrong if you're suggesting that you know maybe a little too much but i i really do like what he brings to the team i hope he is able to kind of breed that culture of accountability that the team seems to be kind of sorely lacking in the last few years i know the guys are gonna have to figure that out on their own and Reeves can't bring them kicking and screaming to, to adopt that mentality. But I think he's going to try and, uh, and again, say what you will. He's, he's a quote machine. So it's, it's been entertaining to see his post-game commentary and where that'll go as we kind of revisit some of these teams that they've already played and see some of these rematches. Yeah, my
0: biggest out of, oh, sorry. My biggest concern of the acquisitions has been Max, tell me, like I don't know where he fits and I don't know like, if there was going to be a person that I would flip, maybe not so early, but it would appear to be him. Like, I, I don't know, like, can he help produce some additional offense, you know, on a bottom with Mitten or with, you know, with, with a Matthew Knight, if that ends up being the case? Like, I don't know where Max Domi now fits. I, I really do struggle with that. With he doesn't fit in the top six, but where in the bottom six would you place him?
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's a it's an interesting question. I think he's obviously going to get some, you know, benefit based on his uh family Leafs pedigree. So I think he'll have a longer leash than maybe some of the other guys to see where we can kind of uh put him so that he can be effective, but but again, I just think that, you know, this early into the season, um especially with so much, you know, turnover on the on those bottom six and middle six lines that, I think it'll come together. Uh, again, I know that I, you know, I, I think I am one of those those cautiously optimistic Leafs fans that I've said already, but it's uh <laughs> You know, and, and and I have been a pessimistic Leaf fan, but I just think that uh, I have I have faith still. I still have faith, even after all we've, all we've been through.
0: So I guess the Leafs do have like a laneway in this division with the aging out of what appears to be like the Boston. Well, Boston had a pretty good start, but Tampa's mm-hmm. starting to age out, you know. Um, there's some emerging teams coming up, which might start nipping at the Leafs' tails, but they should be the team that does take the Atlantic division. Is that kind of where you're feeling that level of optimism is when you kind of look at the division as a whole.
1: Yeah, I think going into the season, I don't know if I even put it out on on social media or not, but again, I had them winning the Atlantic division, at least in my mind. I do like uh, their path out of the East more than I would say if you're looking over in the West, when you look at the juggernauts in the Pacific division and the reigning Stanley Cup champs. So, I mean, it's a long way to get to that point because you still got to, you know, obviously I have no doubt that they're going to do well in the regular seasons. They always do the matchups in the, the playoffs and thing. But I really do feel that it is, you know, especially everything that's kind of happened. And we've seen, you know, even this year, the Panthers, you know, they're not off to a great start. They're also missing, you know, Montour and Ekblad until mid-December. So, I mean, they'll get those guys back, but like that's still, you know, two months away almost at this point. So I feel like they they have a nice uh uh, you know, with the Bruins kind of going into their next phase, the lightning haven't got off to a great start, but they'll, I think they'll write the ship obviously as they always do. But I think this is, if there ever was a year to have a nice clear path to the top of the standings in, in the Atlantic, it, it's this year for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Tampa too. They've got what Bachelovsky out for like almost the first two months. Mm-hmm. So this is, yeah, this is a prime opportunity for this team to capitalize on all those, uh, you know, points early on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I'm happy that I have someone else that also agrees with having Revo on the team. I know Pat and I had, we've been back. I personally struggle with it.
0: I, I'm not going to lie. I, I think I think for me, only because I know that how this Leaf team works, is they're great in the regular season and then playoffs is when the, there's like this additional switch that they don't seem to hit. And I wonder how Rees can carry into the playoffs. We've seen it in the past where, you know, Simmons and Clifford became detriments to the team. Like and and let's be honest, and I don't think it's a conspiracy, but the Leafs just get ref differently, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen. So that would be my personal concern: is we know that there's, and I wouldn't say it's like a systematic bias, but we've seen it in certain games that the Leafs get ref differently. So, you know, mm-hmm. do I really want Ryan Reeves even on the ice for five minutes where he might take a stupid penalty and and and, and possibly change the course of a playoff game? I don't mind him in the regular season because you have a longer flight of eighty-two games, but.
2: Yeah, I uh, don't know where Reeves falls on my playoff roster. See, unlike Clifford and uh, Simmons, I mean Revo has a little bit more of that that championship pedigree. He's been around it a bit more on you know the upper echelon of you know in the playoffs compared to like Simmons and Clifford. I mean, what he he he's had taste with Pittsburgh and he was with Vegas for a bit there and what oh. Uh, God knows how many other teams he's been in the playoffs with. So I think his experience might bode better than like a Clifford or a Simmons, but hey, time will tell. But I think his personality is it's a lot larger than those previous um individuals. And hey, yeah. I, I yeah, like Mike touched on. He had a hit a nice he's move machine.
1: Yeah, but he uh, he had a nice chance in in one of the previous games as well, right? So I mean, I, I, you know you're not going to get more than 5 goals a year with, with with Reeves, but still um I think if he's still able to contribute and he's not, you know, getting caved in when he's out on the ice, um and then uh, I think bringing those uh Bringing his his perspective and his uh, his veteran leadership to the room. Not to say that they haven't had strong voices in the past, and they don't have a strong leadership group right now. But I think he brings a different presence and a different mindset that maybe having that spread over the whole course of the regular season, even if he is used in a limited capacity in the playoffs. I think it's just kind of getting these guys switched on to the type of playoff hockey you know that you need to play when it comes uh, April and May and June. Yeah,
2: I think it's also like something about market way. too like i think revo fits Toronto this this big market far better than the his predecessors like i i think he just he he's used to the, like the time he was in broadway like on broadway mm-hmm. he he's used to those big the big spot like and he he's got that big personality that mm-hmm. you know will suit it so i i think that's why he might i i think he just might work here but hey that's what i'm hoping <laughs> Uh, just keep doing what he's doing right now and not be a detriment and I'm happy so
0: now maybe you guys have seen a different version of David Kemp the last two years but hasn't he regressed
2: yeah definitely
0: like I just I don't see the same guy that got that was very good at like shot suppression I don't I don't know I just I, I I find even with him Mike and I don't know what your commentary is on him but I started to see some like weaknesses even in his game in the playoffs last year and even at certain points during the regular season, what do you what's your take on like David Kemp and kind of his role and do the Leafs maybe look to replace him on the bottom six at some point?
1: I mean I think for me honestly at this point in the season like I'd have to defer to you guys on that just because of uh again i've I've been trying to tune in when I can but with with the book <laughs> coming out um I just it's I honestly don't have I don't have a strong enough opinion on him right now at this point to to give you something intelligible that uh that I think yeah. would be valuable to you and the listeners. <laughs>
2: No, well, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's I, fair. I think personally, the biggest thing I see is, like, Camp has always been such a strong one in the face-off. And, I mean, even the face-off dot so far this year, it, he just hasn't looked that, you know, dominant force. And, and I mean, it starts with the face-off. you got to win the face-off, gain possession, to then get your zone entry. And it, it just hasn't been there. But I think I think it's still, like, we got to – Cut them a little slack. It is still early on. Um, you know, a good portion of this, I mean, I, I give the the big guys kudos because uh, you look in the the preseason, I think Matthews Murder, that core the core five really only played a couple games, maybe three. So for them to come out guns of blazing mm-hmm. the way they have, with very little, you know, I know it's preseason, but it's still in-game action. Like to come out like that crisp, I mean, mind you, against Chicago, that was, uh, the, the, the team had too much points where they just played flat and uh, yeah. Yeah, that that uncomfortable down, playing down to the opponent kind of yeah. came across again just it's it's a habit they
1: really need to kick but it's what decades yeah it's ingrained almost at this point it feels like i think it's just the toronto
2: thing in general like even like you look at the jays and the raptors the the raptors not so much but the jays and the leafs have both been synonymous for just not playing up to like not just dominating the games they should but Mm. hey we here's hoping that they can break the cycle.
0: So, you know, we've been kind of battering around some of the players that haven't had a really good start, but Austin Matthews and William Nylander. Like, one guy, you know, is fresh off signing a new contract. One guy's fighting for a new contract. But have you ever seen those two come out with guns a-blazing like they have this year? Like, they've just hit, like, another level. Like, Austin, maybe, you know, with Austin, you can probably argue that he's probably as close to perfect health as one can be given his wrist injury that he was going through last year. But William Nylander, like he's mucking it in the corners, playing mm-hmm. a little bit more defensively. And he, that puck just doesn't want to leave his stick. Like, what are your thoughts on that, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to see what they've been able to do so far this season. I think, you know, to your point, Matthews, uh, you know, scoring 40 goals last year with obviously an injury throughout the season, still scoring 40, which again, I think there were times, you know, I remember talking to my father-in-law last year and he's a Habs fan, but he at least still respects the Leafs. And I think he was trying to, I think we actually, at one point he said to me, is like, is Matthews cooked? And I said, he's he's still going to score like 30, 40 goals and he's clearly dealing with an injury. So, I mean, this is just like a blip in his in his arc right now. And so I think it's it's clear that to see him come out and perform the way he had in those first two games and see how you know enthused he was about getting, getting those goals, it was just very much clearly signaled that like he's back and he's in, in good form again. I mean, I think also seeing him out on the penalty kill is also great as well. I think we've started to see that evolution Evolution in his game in the last couple of years just kind of playing more of that defensive style as well so but I think just really see him kind of dive into that role in special teams is awesome again if you've got like one of the best players in the league you might as well be using them in as many uh, situations as you can uh, and then I think you know with Nylander I think obviously I, I hope that by the end by the end of the season we've got more clarity and he is a Leaf again but I think seeing that other element to his game is also just a knock from you know some of the 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 radio call-in guests that would say that Nylander doesn't have that element to his game, but he always has. You, know, he's always had some of that jam. But I think really to kind of see him get in there and and really embrace it is is great, and it's 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 promising for the way the season will unfold. Yeah,
0: and even John Tavares has had a really good start. Like he seems much more engaged. You can see you're going you see it on his face. Um, you know, and I know last year probably battled a little bit of the injury bug too, a bit. You know, throughout the season, but he seems to come on pretty strong. He parks himself in front of the net, gets all those dirty goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been kind of nice uh, to see as well. And even Joseph Wall had a really good, you know what? It wasn't, you know, the best team effort in front of him, but Joseph Wall came in and I thought out of the two goaltenders, he's probably been the best.
1: Yeah. I, th- I thought like watching that Chicago game the other night, like he was like the one bright spot, you know, for most of the game where he was playing really well They just the team in front of him, you know, just let him down and and was not playing to the level that, that he was right. So yeah, I, uh, I, I I agree. I think right now at this point so you got to give him more looks.
2: Yeah. Sammy Sammy has Sammy's looked a little. I don't know. Something just seems a little off with him in the first couple games. There's been a couple goals that you're just like, all right, uh, I'm not too thrilled that got past you. But it's early. I'll let it slide. If yeah. that becomes a reoccurring habit, then I mean we got a concern. But hey, if at the same token. It, it it's a good if we can have this nice healthy cap competition between the two of them, both pushing that each other, uh, which we saw a lot towards the down the stretch last year, and even like when Wolf came in in the playoffs when sammy got hurt, he looked outstanding. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he had remarkable composure for such a young, you know, unproven goalie in the NHL. So, but if he's very thrusting. positioned. Yeah, like if there's
0: very one, calm. I can stay early he's very calm. He doesn't give out the same types of rebounds, like a Samsonov. No. Like, and that's just some of my, just obviously like, just watching the games. And I don't know what the numbers would say, but he just seems much more positionally sound. Like he's taking shots in as opposed to reactionary and he's always seems to be in a decent spot. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I, I Sammy's just, sometimes he's kind of erratic and I just, he, he just is uh, – he sprawls a little too much. and He overplays – like, he overplays his positioning a bit too much. And, yeah, he just needs to take a take a note from Wall and just kind of slow his roll or just calm – play with more calm.
0: I guess at least have That's a couple nice. of games coming up on the – I guess this road trip could be – could spell, you know, maybe a little bit of a shift in their season. You know, maybe starting the season off at home, you know, maybe they got too comfortable – I think the next what seven games are on the road,
2: no? Something along those lines. I know they've got a trip through Florida mm-hmm. coming up. Uh what is the, that was, uh but yeah, it, I I think it this this could be I think this could be a good thing. You, you you get out on the road, you you really start this is where the the new guys get the opportunity to gel with the the group here and you know, they can really build that camaraderie, so I think this is good for them to get out they you know they've got they start tomorrow in Florida and then they're in Tampa and then uh you know they've got some they've got some good tests up ahead so this is their opportunity too like let's start banking some points you gotta you gotta you know you gotta win these games
0: mm-hmm. and
2: uh build that cushion so when you know a team like Tampa when they get the big cat back and you know that Vasilevsky, once he's healthy and he gets on his game, I mean, that guy, that guy's the best. So, uh, yeah, it's just, we got to make the best of this opportunity now, not squatting. So, Mike,
0: what has been in such a short window, obviously, because Matthew Nice came in in the playoffs pretty much last year. What is your take on him? And, you know, I know you, you know, you, you cover the Sudbury Wolves and stuff. Where do you see, like, he's got a lot of raw talent, but where do you see his? career trajectory possibly going just based on that short window that we've seen him, you know, just the, in the playoffs and early to, you know, early this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think with a player like that. It's uh, you know, you see those flashes of brilliance and it's uh, it's always hard to forecast out where they could go. And I mean, it's hard to say like where you put them in terms of like a comparison and what trajectory you'd put them on. But I mean, I think it's promising uh, no doubt. I mean, that's what you need from your guys. I think that's always what you see in teams. Not that the Leafs have been rebuilding, but it's kind of like when you get these great, you start to draft well, you get a bunch of prospects, like not every prospect is going to take the the jump the way that you think, right? And I think it always helps your roster, especially in these tight, you know, cap times when you've got these guys you're going to get on entry-level deals, uh, you know, being able to kind of play up and and jump into that top six. So I mean, I think that's as much as the Leafs can ask for at this point. Again, I think what we saw in the playoffs was was great. Obviously, um, but uh, but yeah, looking forward to seeing what else he can do in a full stretch run this year.
0: And even Frazier Minton, I know you know Ed had mentioned offline that you know he he had struggled in that last game against Chicago, but even he's showing that you know with enough flight, maybe there's something there that you know he becomes an option in the bottom six as well. So it is, it's kind of nice to kind of see some of these Leafs prospects that, you know, maybe are over ripened in the in the minors start to, um, you know, start to take these roles. Are there any players, Mike, that you know of in the Leafs pipeline that stand out to you that you're like, OK, maybe in like a year, maybe even come trade deadline if they need an extra buy during in the playoffs that you'd be like, I could see them coming up and maybe taking a spot or start fighting for a spot.
1: To be honest, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not a prospect guy by any means, so like, I couldn't even tell you who I would have like top of my mind that that I would think would would even be vying for a spot at this point.
0: No, that's fair. No, that's fair. Um, so I guess you know what you know. This has been a great interview, but we do want to touch on your book. Um, so you know, you you've done a lot of research. You know, there's you know 365 different stories have you come across a story where you're like, holy shit, like things were this bad or, oh my God, like things were actually really good or, oh my God, like how did that even happen? Like were there certain times in your research where you're like, where you had like this like aha moment, like what, like this couldn't be real.
1: Yeah, there, I mean, there was a few moments where like you don't even like through the course of the research, like you have an idea of where the story um, will go. And I'm just trying to find it right now because there was one where, It was before before I was born, so I don't really recall um, the ins and outs. Let me just—I know this is not entertaining for you and the and the listeners or the viewers to have somebody flip through their book. And I normally have a note sheet that kind of highlights some of these these moments that I always want to pull out when somebody asks me about the book. But um, I'm going to get it wrong if I can't find the page. But I know I think yeah. So this was one where you know Brian Spencer, um, 1970, uh, he gets his first point. In a game against Buffalo, and so at first, you know, the, some of the databases and archives I use to find these stories, they'll say like, you know, Sp- Brian Spencer gets first NHL point, point. and then I do some research and I find out that Brian Spencer, you know, got that those first couple of points in that game against Buffalo, but before the game happened, his dad had died, that his dad had passed away. And that you know he felt that he still had to play that night because like that was his dad's dream for him was to make it to the NHL, and so for him not to play would be doing a disservice to his dad. And then I find out by doing a little bit more research and kind of finding out like you know maybe some stories that were reported a few games after that game, what ended up happening was that they're from out west, and uh, when he actually was playing his first NHL game a few nights earlier, and um, I guess the TV station in Prince George didn't end up playing that Leafs game and Brian was interviewed on hockey night in Canada, but his dad never saw the interview because it wasn't being broadcast in Prince George. So he went to the television station with a gun and he was threatening the staff. And then what ended up happening was this is an awful story. So like, but this is one of these things where like, I had no idea this happened, but of course, if you were to look at Brian Spencer right now on Wikipedia, you would find all this, but if you're not really thinking about Brian Spencer all the time, this fact might've eluded you. So anyway, this, the story goes that after he attempts to leave the police station, the RCMP are there and he, he dies in a firefight with the RCMP and that's how his father died the night before because of, because of this. And it's an awful story with the Spencer family because Brian ended up dealing with substance abuse issues himself. Uh, he was also you know killed in a, in a, in a drug deal gone wrong. Uh, not th- like at a, at a young age. So again, it's an awful story but it's one of these things where, you know, if you don't kind of dig in a little bit further, like you can yeah. report on or write about that as if like his dad just passed away suddenly, but there was more to that story. It's again, it's an awful story, but these are the types of things that, you know, unless you've, you know, maybe grew up watching, you know, the Leafs in that era and you knew about Brian Spencer and you followed his, his career and his, his, his way out of the NHL. Um, you might've known that, but for me, like that was the first time I had, i had come across that. And I thought that was, Important to include in the book, but again, not a certainly not a pick me up story by any means.
0: Yeah. Wow. Now, was there a pick me up story that maybe you know you'd come across like, oh, I didn't realize that that had happened, or that's actually pretty
1: cool that that this moment in least history even occurred? Well, there's, I mean, I think there was a lot of those. Uh, I think the other thing for me is just kind of, you know, we know about those those moments in the past, and people always like to joke about how, like, those moments only exist in black and white. It's the nonstop recurring joke um, that, that and, you know, non-Leaf fans have for you. But I think just getting to relive, you know, some of those moments and, and appreciating, you know, the team and some of those previous eras and what they were able to accomplish um, was great. I think it's always fun to kind of see some of these lighter side moments. Again, I had already... You know, was aware of this, but uh, there was this iconic. There's this iconic picture of the Leafs playing the Blackhawks, and in uh, and, and all the players are kind of hunched over on all fours on the ice, and what they were doing was they were looking for Bob Nevin's contact lenses. He was one of the only players to wear contact lenses in the you know in the in the early 60s or so. And so I included a story about Bob Nevin, you know, getting a goal or a point in a game, but I use that story as an entry point to kind of talk about this iconic moment where everyone's on the ice on all hands and uh, well, sorry, I can't even think of the expression I was trying to say uh, on all fours on the ice, even the refs trying to find this, these contact lenses, cause he got hit so hard into the boards that his, his contact lenses popped out, <laughs> obviously maybe different technology back in the day, but, uh, but that's the story that they, they went with. They never found the contact lenses, but it's kind of like these funny, quirkier, lighthearted moments that uh, that kind of balance out the book where, again, you may not have a story where that on its own is worth telling. But I think a story about Bob Evan can't be told without maybe mentioning that little hilarious moment.
2: Well, I got to ask you, man, as as a diehard Potman fan, and when you use the cover with that, I got to ask where you got the inspiration to use van's mask for the cover here in your book
1: so um it's funny enough like i i've had the same graphic designer for the lo- covers ron beltrami so he did the first hockey 365 and then worked with me on the second one which features a goalie mask and and knowing that we were going into the the team spe- team specific books we knew that obviously like the low the logo was off limits and we you know kind of figured like you can't really represent the leafs with with hockey sticks or gloves you know, unless you're going with blue and white gloves, but again, that could be a, a number of teams. And so we figured the only way to maybe try to get away with like incorporating that Leafs look into the book was, was through a goalie mask. And so that was actually not the first mask that we went with. I I can't even remember. I think it was Wayne Stevenson was the first mask. It had, um, it was a very iconic, like elongated mask, very much, you know, appealing to that, that certain demographic that would have grown up watching him, but and then I, I said, like I I loved it because he's a great designer and I saw it. I'm like, that's great. It's very iconic. But then I said, But you know, Felix Pavin was my favorite goalie growing up and the 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 cat mask is iconic. Can you can you do that? And then he did that in like in that as soon as I saw that, I said, that has to be the cover of the book. The other mask was great, but I just knew as soon as I saw his even his initial rendering that wasn't, you know, the final version that we see now um he just did a bang up job and I think any any Leafs fan I think especially of my vintage you know who grew up watching the team in the early 90s like you're going to pick up that book even if you don't know who I am or what the book's about just because you know who the who the cat is
2: oh yeah that's awesome
0: I guess Mike to wrap up the interview where can our readers find your book like are you doing other types of book signings in around Ontario so how do we get access to get our hands on, on, on on your new book
1: so uh, the book is available right now in Canada. You can get it at Chapters or or, uh, or Indigo in Canada. You can also order it from Amazon. I know that right now, if you go to Amazon Canada, it's going to show you that it has a release date of November 17th or so. That's incorrect. That's the U.S. release date. But we're going through a glitch right now with a lot of booksellers where it's defaulting to the U S site. So don't, don't worry. We're trying to get that cleaned up so the book can get out to you. But the other thing I would say too, is that if you have a favorite uh, local bookseller an independent bookseller in whatever town you're located in, go, go talk to them. They can order it in for you. If you want to get a copy and support uh, your local bookstore, Um, as far as other events that I'm doing in the coming weeks, I'm doing a a signing this coming Saturday, October 21st at the chapters here in Sudbury. Uh, I don't have any other signings or events booked just yet. We've got a couple things in the works, but, uh, I can't share the details just yet only because I don't have them. So it's nothing top secret. We're just trying to get the finishing touches on that. Um, so, so we'll, we'll see where that lands us.
0: No, this has been great, Mike. Thank you again for your time. And, and, you know, we'll definitely have our listeners check out and look out for your book. Um, any final thoughts on sort of where you see this team? Like, if you could have it your own crystal ball, where do you see the leaf season kind of going, and the, tra- the trajectory that you hope to see it go?
1: Well, what I would really like to see is 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 like I said earlier, get them to win the Atlantic, so they really take care of that seeding. Again, I know that it doesn't matter who you like, who you get seated against in the playoffs. You have to win 16 times, so you can't bank on. Uh, you know, bank on this matchup is more favorable than that that matchup, because I think we saw last year with the Bruins and the Panthers, uh, you know, anything can happen in the president's trophy team can get knocked off uh, in in stunning fashion. So I think that's going to take care of itself. But to be honest, like for them to get that confidence going into the playoffs, lock up a good spot, lock up home ice, um, I think would do the team a lot of good. And so I think that's kind of where we're at. But again, I think thinking, you know, for, for or trying to think for many Leaf fans right now, I just know that it's it's never the regular season that uh, that is the is the vexing part. It's it's the playoffs, and so I think we almost have to kind of enjoy the ride uh, for all for the rest of these seventy nine games and just kind of see how it plays out. Exercise a little bit of patience as much as it's hard to do sometimes, but I think I'm just going to try to really enjoy. You know, watching the team come together this year. Hopefully, you know our prognostications for how these new players will gel comes true, and we're not, you know, talking in three months from now. Like, what are we going to do about the bottom six? They're still not. They're not producing. But I really do feel like, um, you know, I'm. I, I'm. I, I know that we can't be happy with a first round win, but I do feel better about the, the team going into this year than I have in previous years. So I'm willing to like leverage that feeling and just keep going and and staying positive for as long as I possibly can. I think having the book helps. Um, but that would be it. The only thing I would say is, well, this is not to your question, but I realized I called the goalie that I was talking about earlier, Wayne uh, Stevenson. It's Wayne Thomas. So again, I don't want. Uh, I don't want to get. Uh, you know, r- ratioed online later, but uh but yeah, I, I, it's Wayne Thomas is who I was thinking of, not Wayne Stevenson. Wayne Stevenson never played for the Leafs, so that would be that would be bad. Oh well, excellent. Well this has
0: been fun. Uh thanks again to all our listeners for, you know, continue to support our podcast. Uh, um and yeah, thanks again, Mike, for your time. And uh we'll definitely have you on maybe closer to the playoffs again and we'll see. Yes. So maybe how your predictions have changed will <laughs> come April.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Hopefully I still have all my hair and it's, it hasn't turned gray or fallen out.
2: Uh, if, if it does, well I'll probably be <laughs> in sick mode anyway, so no yeah.
0: worries. Perfect. This has been fun, guys.
1: Okay, thanks guys. Yeah.